Higher Things thanks you for your support. Please continue to support the work we do with youth by going to our website at higherthings.org, clicking on support and donating securely through PayPal. Your gift helps us in our mission to support pastors, youth workers, and parents in daring our church's youth to be Lutheran. Welcome to the Gospel Boldly Podcast, where we confess with St. John that these things are written, that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in His name. We are your hosts. I'm Thomas Lemke. And I am Pastor Eric Brown, and welcome again to this Higher Things uh, Podcast. Although I, I have to admit I'm ashamed today. Uh-oh. We, we might have to resign in disgrace. We are, we are economic and financial failures, Thomas. Is that we right? are entering... Chapter 11. <laughs> oh, that was a terrible oh, oh, I was just okay. like, I, I didn't, I should have seen it coming. I should have. It was right there the whole time. And you got me. Oh, good night. That, that was like, that, that's like a dad joke for the podcast. Oh man. Yeah. 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 All right. We, we are going to dive into chapter 11, not, not in terms of bankruptcy, but in terms of the book of Acts. I almost called it the gospel of Acts, but, but the book of Acts. And uh, we're, we're, we'll be getting some more Peter chapter type stuff tonight for a bit. But uh, other than that, uh, anything interesting or of note up in your end of the woods or down in your end of the woods, Thomas? Um, the Not really. I mean, the government's talking about taxes and Hugh Hefner just died. So I guess the world's got plenty to chew on. But as far as I'm concerned, it's just kind of business as normal. As a brief aside, my children are planning to become mobsters. Oh, so good. my my oldest son gets uh, comes home off the bus and he, he was he was picking on a kid on on the bus not intentionally I mean he was basically wanting to play a, a a game and the kid didn't want to and sometimes Victor can find it to be very entertaining when someone else cringes back and does, so yeah but basically he got overly zealous in playing his intimidating <laughs> game and it did not work and then it turns out that my my younger son had swiped a bunch of toys from from the preschool. There was a, a sentry table with like these little round circle type things to play with. And he had brought home like 12 of them. Like, I don't know why he's got them. Well, I was talking to the teacher and they were in the sensory table. She showed me it was in there. And she goes, yeah, Ambrose had taken a bunch to his backpack and we had to dump them out. I go, oh uh, yeah, he, he he somehow got another 12 or 13 of them out. Nice. So, so, so he got taken back over to, to, to preschool this afternoon, had to give them back and apologize. It's like, all right, great. My, I, I've got one son who's an intimidating enforcer and the other one who's <laughs> a, a pickpocket. They're, they're just set up for life in the mob. So hopefully I'll have a good and stable retirement. Um, <laughs> if they don't whack you for the life insurance money. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Dear, we better, we better tone down the life insurance just to be safe. So, all right. So with, with that all, so, so, so if I go a little mafiosa or, or, or Godfather-esque in my, my analogies, that's just what's on my mind tonight as we get ready to go on. But we're going to look at chapter 11 and we, it's titled Peter Reports to the Church. So let's, uh, 
Let's go dive on in and see what's going on here. Okay. If you would begin. Now, the apostles and the brothers who were throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcision party criticized him, saying, You went to uncircumcised men and ate with them. But Peter began and explained it to them in order. All right. So I, I want to make a, a note and distinction here, because we had had many who were Hellenists, mm-hmm. but now they're talking about Gentiles. Thomas, what would the distinction between a Hellenist and a Gentile be? Okay, correct me if I get this wrong, as I'm sure you will, but I, I believe a Hellenist would be a secularized, in, in, in one sense, Jew, versus a Gentile would be no Jewish blood. In other words, a Hellenist is a person of Jewish descent who uh, is maybe culturally more Greek or, you know, not Jewish versus mm-hmm. Gentiles, which are descendant, you know, genetically just Gentile. And there you go. Well, and, and even they were the ones who had converted full on into Judaism. The Hellenists would have considered themselves as adherents of Judaism who had then converted to the Christian faith. The Gentiles so, were just full bore pagans. To make sure I understand then, would a Hellenist be genetically Jewish or genetically Gentile? Probably a mix of both. That's fair. And it, or, well, or certainly I mean, in some cases, I would think right, a mixture and, of both as intermarriage but, happened. But they, they could have been even Greek, but they had come you. on over into the... Into the, Judaism. They, they so, were the, the Jewish converts who would jump through things. And so who opposed the coming of the Gentiles? The circumcision party, because okay. your Hellenists would have been circumcised. That that would have right. been the way, because they would have wanted to be good little Jews. Now suddenly the gospel is going to people who have no interest in being good little Jews. They're just hearing the gospel. And, and the circumcision party says, dude, you have to be circumcised. Stop They're over not. the Judaism first. What, what, what's over? I mean, this this is, yeah. So Got it. Now, and, and then Peter will make his defense. Okay. I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision, something like a great sheet descending, being let down from heaven by its four corners. And it came down to me, Looking at it closely, I observed animals and beasts of prey and reptiles and birds of the air. And I heard a voice saying to me, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But I said, By no means, Lord, for nothing common or unclean has ever entered my mouth. But the voice answered a second time from heaven, What God has made clean, do not call common. This happened three times, and all was drawn up again into heaven. Haven't we heard of this before? Yeah, I mean, just in the previous chapter, right? Yeah, it's basically, I'd have to double check to make sure, but it's almost exactly verbatim. Pretty much. I mean, it's pretty, this is one of the things that that a lot of, uh, sometimes will drive some modern scholars, oh, this is just vain repetition, editor messed up, this is all, it's all just, it's all messed up. No, scriptures like to repeat. Why? If you say something twice, then it's emphatic, it's a second witness. Rejoice. Mm-hmm. Therefore, I say again, rejoice. I mean, it, it, it's a very, this is a very Jewish thing to do to, to, to give the story twice. Makes so, sense. So Peter gives the story again, and he doesn't really leave out anything, and then he will begin to explain. So let's carry on with that. Okay, let's see. Uh, and behold, at that very moment, three men arrived at the house in which we were, sent to me from Caesarea. And the Spirit told me to go with them, making no distinction. 
These six brothers also accompanied me, and we entered the man's house. And he told us how he had seen the angel stand in his house and say, Send to Joppa and bring Simon, who is called Peter. He will declare to you a message by which you will be saved, you and all your household. As he be- or as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell on them, just as on us at the beginning. All right. One thing to pause to note very there quickly there. When we talk about the preaching of the word, the Holy Spirit is active with that. The 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 word and the spirit go hand in hand. And so Peter says, I, I started to preach as I, I normally wouldn't. The spirit worked. It happened. He the spirit took root. He he did his Holy Spirit thing. You know, just just as it happened with us. I mean that that the spirit comes by the word, and this is kind of awesome, right? So yeah, I, I had this vision and the Gentiles showed up. I started preaching and the Holy Spirit showed up. So you know what? <laughs> All right, let's All right. carry on. All righty. And I might need to go back to digital, digitally reading this. I got my my actual physical text here in front of me and it's always hard to find my place since oh. I can't highlight oh. it on the screen. You know what I mean? Oh. Ver- verse 16. <laughs> Thanks. And I remembered the word of the Lord, how he said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Oh, oh, pause right there. See, Peter remembered the word of the Lord, but Thomas can't even remember where his place is in the word. Okay, sorry. <laughs> Sounds right. about right. But, but, but no, you get this thing. And, and as this is going on, as the Holy Spirit is hitting the Gentiles and Peter is preaching the word, Peter also remembers what Jesus spoke. Hey, uh, by the way, in John's gospel, uh, don't we hear that the Holy Spirit will bring to remembrance all the things that Jesus said? Oh, so the Holy Spirit is not just working on the Gentiles. He's also working on Peter at the same time because he and the Gentiles have both alike received the same spirit. Aha! All right, carry on. If then God gave the same gift to them as he gave to us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could stand in God's way? When they heard these things, they fell silent, and they glorified God, saying, Then to the Gentiles also God has granted repentance that leads to life. All right, Peter, well, who am I to stop it? I mean, come on, if the Holy Spirit is active, what am I going to say? No, bad Holy Spirit. (laughs) Well, well. I, I mean, I, I'm just the first pope. Why, why should the Holy Spirit listen to... Oh, 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 we're getting close to Reformation. I'm getting a little punchy. But, but, but there's... The, the Peter's like, listen, this is just what happened, and it happened. Go on. And, and I do think it's interesting. When they heard these things, they fell silent, and they glorified God. So basically, it's like, well, I guess we got to be quiet. And I guess we should glorify God, but uh, hey, hey, the circumcision party. Um, is that the first time we've come across the circumcision party as a, a, a phrase in, in the book of Acts? I feel like it's not. Have we heard it before? Well, maybe we have. It was just the way you asked the question that gave me that feeling. Now, we encounter it later on in the New Testament, but... We're going to get them a, a lot more later on in the New Testament and other places. In fact, looking at my little note, I think this is just the first time it gets mentioned because it should come up again in Acts 15 and then in yeah, sure, Galatians then. 3. Definitely. Well, there, there's the hint. Thomas, uh, what would the circumcision party be? 
Well, the ones who kind of like you kind of mentioned, the ones who demanded that circumcision happen, that you, you must adhere not just to circumcision, one would think, but also to the other laws of Moses in connection with the Judaic roots of things. Yeah, they, they were silent and then they glorified God. But do they stay silent about this issue forever and ever? No, <laughs> their mouths no, it's, are it's not stopped. Well, well, this is one of the things. They, they get stopped temporarily, but Fair. then it's like, oh, but no, we still ought to do it this way. So so this becomes one of the, the early splits and troubles when, in the church. So this is the, the thing that becomes problematic in the book of Galatians. Oh, yeah. These are the guys who end up causing major problems for for Paul later on. And again, remember, uh, generally the thought is Luke is traveling along with who? Paul. Mm-hmm. So so when Luke writes Acts and says, oh, yeah, here, here's, hey, you Gentiles, you show up. And look, even from the beginning, you had the circumcision party complaining about it. So guess what? This is nothing new that they're complaining about you. It's not you guys. It's them. It's okay. So do you sell that? That's added in as just a... a Nice little bit of flavor for them. Yeah, and it seems like th- this conversation they're having with Peter in particular continues as well. They're, they've got his ear to some extent. Yeah, yeah. It, 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 it's all crazy. So, all right. Well, how about we get ready to pause here and get ready and move on into the break? But this is just a, a nice little look. Even when even Peter's getting the fifth degree or third mm-hmm. degree, whichever it is, he's getting he's getting pushed on stuff early on. Even from the beginning of the church, people have wanted things done their way. And and even if an apostle says, hey, look what's going on here, whoa, people kind of flip on out. So the more things change, the more they stay the same. Truer so. words. And another thing that stays the same is that we go to break. Have a good one. <laughs> And we are back on the Gospel Boldly Podcast, where we are now moving up to the part of the show that we call the Backwards Life, where where we will come across some random, pithy, normal idea that is somewhat popular in the world of Christianity and take a completely backwards approach at it and see what we can get to. So, uh, Thomas, what do we have today? Well, I mentioned before, and I think our listeners know by this point that we record these in advance, um, but... Hugh Hefner died today. That we're recording this on the September the twenty eighth. There we go. And there's been a lot of hubbub thrown around about about well, you know, what was the legacy of this guy? Did he was he a great you know uh, reformer of our mores, so to speak? Was he you know somebody who tore down the family, etc.? I'm going to spring from that, do a complete backflip off of it, and ask you. Speaking of legacies within the church or within the, the culture and how they, they dictate mores, etc., what is the place of the church in dictating the culture's mores or changing the culture or in general interacting with the culture in terms of leaving its mark, as Hugh Hefner is said to have done? Yeah, I'm comparing well, Hugh Hefner to the church in a weird way, I guess. <laughs> Welcome to the new segment, the backwards question on the <laughs> Gospel Holy Pod. All right, well, okay. We we often like to think of things in terms of legacies and our impacts upon the culture and all that. And I think a lot of that ends up being overstated. Um. I'll start with just my my reaction to how a lot of people have been talking about Hugh Hefner and stuff like that. And I've seen 
uh, both the 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 folks praising him and the detractors. I, I I think we like to have people be hinges of history and say this is the person who did all the stuff and and that way it becomes a nice and easy way to conveniently explain things so i think sometimes we 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 give them to individuals too much credit or too much blame for what goes on as with, with that being said the impact that the church has on the culture is incidental and what I, what I mean by that is that ideally, the church is not directly influencing culture. I don't preach to culture. Culture never walks them up into my church and shows up and says, yes, Pastor Brown, hi, I'm the culture. I would like to listen <laughs> to your sermon. Um, now, Christians as individuals gathering together do have an impact upon culture. And 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 the church preaches to individual Christians, and, and they can have an impact upon the culture, kind of in mass. But it's not as though the church directly shapes culture. The church might create Christians who then have an impact upon the culture, but but it's not as though okay. We'll get caught up in the culture war as the church, and we'll think, okay, now if we can do this, this, and this, we'll we'll impact the culture. We'll we'll impact society. We'll fight for this legislation. We'll get. And this is my opinion. I tend to think that's backwards. Well, that's kind of appropriate for the backwards life segment or backwards so. question or whatever we call it. We're not going to impact the culture and then have the culture suddenly be ripe and more Christians come up. No, if, if something happens, we preach the gospel of Christ Jesus and people are given life and that life spills out onto their neighbors and impacts the culture that way. So so I think sometimes we, we, we put the cart before the horse thinking that, okay, we, we, will, we will, as the church, get things fixed on abortion and, and we'll, we'll work to, to change laws on abortion. Well, actually, no, if we... If we preach the gospel of Christ and, and people are enlivened according to the will of the Holy Spirit, some of that will take care of itself. It, it'll be a result. The, the impacts of the culture are the results of decisions of individuals. It's not that the culture controls all the people. Oh, look, uh, Hugh Hefner's destroyed the family. Well, no, no, that that's not quite what that that puts too much of the emphasis of what individuals do, have done upon someone else. Mm -hmm. No, no, no. We, our our own sinfulness encouraged us to destroy our own families, and we used stuff that Hefner produced as the occasion thereby to use that, or amongst a myriad of other things. So no, it, it's a matter of rather than changing the culture, which is sort of just an apt description of the amalgamation of society, our, our, our job is to preach Christ and him crucified in season and out of season to people, to the, the people whom God places into our lives. The church deals with the concrete. We deal with specific people. I have an actual church, an actual congregation. It meets in a specific location at a specific time. It's, I'm going to use the word, incarnational. It, it's bodily. Culture and zeitgeist and the spirit of the times, that's not incarnational. That That's just kind of out there in the ether. We deal with real people in real places. 
Thomas, I'm not going to see you at church on Sunday. Why not? Because Illinois is a long way from me. <laughs> I, I used to see you all the time on Sunday, but now we live in different places. So so our, our attachment to the church hits in a different location. You have different direct neighbors that you impact now than you did when you were in the same place I was in Oklahoma. And I've moved from there too, so I have different, in, different neighbors that I directly impact. That, that's the reality of life. And so I think sometimes it becomes almost a, uh, a false and misleading dream that we can have to try to deal with the culture. Because I can fight the culture and not have to deal with my neighbor. In fact, in fact, if I'm fighting the culture, that can almost give me a reason to write off my neighbor who happens to be on the wrong side of the culture war. Oh, they're just, Boo no. on them. No, no. Let me go love my neighbor and serve, and I will I will speak both law and gospel. I will I will proclaim sin and salvation to people, and the Holy Spirit will work when and where it wills, and we'll see what happens. And you know what? Even if the culture, and I put that in air quotes, goes horrible, ah, so be it. The church has thrived in horrible cultures and in wonderful cultures. It's mm-hmm. And and actually, I shouldn't say it's thrived in wonderful cultures because I don't know if there's ever actually been a wonderful culture. That's fair. We, we we we've we've thrived in cultures where the wickedness and vice was open and obvious, or in cultures where everyone thought they should hide their wickedness and vice. And, and that's that's the reality. It remains the same. Duh, we're 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 preaching to people who are sin and trapped in Seth, uh, trapped in Seth, trapped in sins, chains and death. Um, if you happen to be a relative of, of my co-host with a certain name that combines sin and death inadvertently, that was not intended to be an insult. <laughs> um, so, so, all right. Uh, anything else on that or any, any other way that you'd want me to spin on off? Was that, that backwards enough to your backwards question? Yeah, I think it was. I think it's, it's, uh, I, a lot of people would find it very backwards, both the question and the answer. So mission accomplished in that sense. <laughs> it's one where I, I remember there was an old church. or a, a, It was actually in a grocery store next to where my dad was at in, in Woodward, Oklahoma. And it had a big sign, changing the culture for Christ. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, okay, that, that that's not our job. Our job is to preach Christ and him crucified in season and out of season and let the chips fall where they may. Right. I mean— Ignatius of Antioch, when he's being taken off to the line, is not saying, we must change Roman culture and stop this barbaric practice of, of, <laughs> no, it, it's, I am going to remain faithful to Christ. And that's the point. And, and do you know what happened? Eventually, over time, the Roman culture did kind of change a bit, but also not as much as we might. Eh, so it's a giant mess. Yeah. The sinful world's always going to be sinful. It's all the same. Only the names have changed. And so, all right. Cool. In that place, there will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Oh, man, he's so. in rare form today. All right. Let's All right. <laughs> do, do, you, do you need me to send my children over there to kind of uh, threaten his kneecaps or something? Maybe since they're, they're, they're looking to be... <laughs> we'll make you an offer you can't refuse. Right. With my luck, they'd, uh, they'd bring him on. <laughs> All right. Let, let, let's try and keep our, our kids away from a culture of the underworld. And... Uh, <laughs> And, and, and go to Antioch, which is an interesting place. So uh, chapter 11, verse, what is that? Uh, 19. There you go. Now, those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, 
speaking the word to no one except Jews. But there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who, were, uh, who on coming to Antioch spoke to the Hellenists also, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number who believed turned to the Lord. All right. This is one of the things I do want to point out very quickly. You had this idea of Christianity kind of being centered right around Jerusalem. Damascus isn't that far away. But when the persecution comes, everyone goes. They, they scatter. And they end up hitting Antioch, which is really the, the second biggest town in the, the Roman Empire. It, it's a, a major place. And the gospel starts to spread. And I mean... They're quiet about it first, just kind of hitting up the other Jews. And okay, that should be safe territory. But then it spreads to the the Greek speakers. And, and, and it keeps going out and forth. And and it starts spreading like, like wildfire. Um, Thomas, why didn't they stay in Jerusalem and try to change that culture of persecution? Oh, ne- yeah. never mind. Okay, I, that, that was me slightly belaboring a point. But okay. <laughs> um, no, the, the fact is even the... the this is one of the things to take as confidence. God uses even the wickedness of culture and society for the good of his church. He, he does. He, I, th- we believe that God works all things for the good of those that love him. Yeah, yeah, he means even the lousy stuff that's going on, God is using to work for our good. It's a profound thing that we don't see because we're stuck in the middle of it. We don't see the ends of it, but hey, yeah, look at this. The church spreads. Because of persecution. Thomas, if I were to say, do you think persecution is a good thing? Well, uh, no. It's a mixed bag. (laughs) Good for who? Good for what? But but what does God use it for? For his great and good and glorious purposes. So that's Mm -hmm. one of the things that comes up here. So let's carry on. Okay. The report of this came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he came and saw the grace of God, he was glad. And he exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. And a great many people were added to the Lord. All right. So Barnabas, his name literally means son of encouragement or son of exhortation or son of parakalo, although it's the, the Hebrew equivalent. Hey, uh, that, that word, and he exhorted them. This is something that, another, oh, it's Pastor Brown's hobby horse day. The word there is going to be from parakalo, which we get as the word paraclete. And it's a broad word. It can mean comfort. It can mean to exhort. It can mean to encourage. It can mean to help. It It's basically what the guy who's next to you and counseling you, it, it covers all the things that he would say. Hey, what does the Holy Spirit do? It tells us all the things that we need to say. So, so basically, I had almost do a, And when he came and saw the grace, he was glad. And he did all the Holy Spirit stuff to them by the word to remain faithful to the Lord with a steadfast purpose. And he was a good man. He was full of the Holy Spirit. Of course he is, because he's spiriting them. It goes all hand in hand. It all ties them good together. Uh, Let's read it a little bit more. Can you finish the paragraph? Yeah. Let's see. So So Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. And when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. For a whole year, they met with the church and taught a great many people. And in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. That's where the name come from. That That's the first place they, they got that title. But know what Barnabas does. You know what? 
I need a hand at this. You know who I should go get? He's hanging up here in Tarsus. That's not far from Antioch. Dude, I need help. I'm going to go get Paul. So, so you have you have the birth of the first great preaching team of the early church, Paul and Barnabas, right nice. then and there. All right. Well, let's get to break, and then we'll get a little bit more, and we'll we'll hear more about Christians and stuff like that after the break. All right. And welcome back on the Gospel Bully Podcast. And there are times when 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 a. Uh, Parents will laugh, and and sometimes, sometimes the wailing of a child makes us feel bad. Sometimes it makes us laugh hysterically at our friends who have to deal with it. <laughs> no, we have to fight the culture. Okay, sorry. Yeah, <laughs> we're, fight we're, starts at home. We're making our way through through Acts chapter eleven, and uh, let's start up again at at verse twenty seven, if we would. Yes. Now in these days, prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch, and one of them named Agabus stood up and foretold by the Spirit that there would be a great famine over all the world. This took place in the days of Claudius. So the disciples determined, everyone according to his ability, to send relief to the brothers living in Judea. And they did so, sending it to the elders by the hand of Barnabas and Saul. Now, this is one of the things that it it notes something about just the way things work. The, the church in Judea ends up becoming one of the more poor ones. Because again, the, the folks who are the Christians there aren't the rich and powerful of, of the Jewish community. They tend to be the, the outcast of Jewish community. Mm-hmm. So, so often, whenever anything goes bad, it really hits the church in Jerusalem badly. They're, they're not in a social position to, to be balanced and well set up in the face of things. Whereas in the other towns further out, and especially when you start getting more of the Gentiles in, the church often has more resources. And so, hey, a persecution sends things up to Antioch. They believe, oh, we're going we're gonna to need some funds for Jerusalem. They collect them for Jerusalem. So it's this beautiful interplay of, of God taking care of his people, his church, even in the face of hardship. In fact, hardship ends up being the opportunity for love and care and goodness to be shown and given. So Nice. But it's going to get worse. Oy. All, right. All right. Let's move on to chapter 12. Chapter 12. About that time, Herod the king laid violent hands on some who belonged to the church. He killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And when he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded to arrest Peter also. This was during the days of unleavened bread. And when he had seized them, he put him in prison, delivering him over to four squads of soldiers to guard him, intending after the Passover to bring him out to the people. So Peter was kept in prison, but earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church. All right. So what do we have going on? Well, you've got Herod who says, you know what? I need to do something to make myself a little bit more popular. These Christians are annoying. I will take them out. And we get the first one killed. The first apostle taken out is James, the brother of John. Hey, hey Peter. Oh, good night. Hey, Thomas. <laughs> Who, who's the longest-lived apostle? Uh, John, that would be John. Right. And, and, and if you will remember, James and John, the, the, the brothers, uh, their mom had asked something of Jesus. What had she asked? 
uh, that when he came into his kingdom, one of the two would sit on his left hand and one on his right. Right, right. So this is where they'd come out. I mean, it was so it's kind of neat. They they do end up being the bookends of of <laughs> of how long the apostles last. But but yeah. James is the first apostle taken out, and he's taken out quickly. And then when Herod says, wow, they really liked it that I took out this James fellow, I know I'm going to go after Peter. He's the great big fish. Yeah. And so they arrest Peter during the Feast of what? Feast of Unleavened Bread. That's the lead up to Passover, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So basically, mm-hmm. hey, hey, uh, um, do, do we remember someone else who got arrested during the lead up to Passover? Oh, gosh, that would be uh, Jesus. Yeah, and so basically it's like, oh, the book of Acts really is just replaying the Gospels. <laughs> it's going to go badly. But so Peter ends up in prison, and the plan is to do away with him after the Passover. Oh, we'll make things nice and neat. And the church is praying for him. So things are, again, looking dour and bad. All right? Right. Uh, he agrees. <laughs> yes. All right. Let, let's carry on. All right. <clears throat> Now, when Herod was about to bring him out, on that very night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and sentries before the door were guarding the prison. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood next to him, and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him, saying, Get up quickly. And the chains fell off his hands. All right, so they've got some major security on them. You are major. sleeping between two guards who are not sleeping. They're 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 meant to be awake, and you've got so he is being highly highly watched, and you have divine intervention. All right, come on, Peter, get up and go. Keep on. Carry oh, on. <laughs> that's my cue. Yeah, it's hard to yeah, it's hard yeah. to catch cues when if you you're the child. If you would uh, carry on with with verse eight. Okay. (laughs) And the angel said to him, dress yourself and put on your sandals. And he did so. And he said to him, wrap your cloak around you and follow me. I am going to pause there. If we remember from John, Uh at the end of the gospel of John, when Jesus is talking to Peter, he says, you know, the day is going to come when someone's going to dress you and take you where you don't want to go. There's going to be the day when you are killed and they're going to dress you for burial. So when Peter's getting rescued, what does he get told by the angel? Uh, No, you get to dress yourself today. This isn't the day yet. Come on, we're we're going. So so it it really is kind of a neat little interplay of, of, yeah, yeah, no, no, you're going to get crucified, but not today. Come on, Peter, you got more stuff to do. So off they go. All right. So carry on with nine. Uh, and he went out and followed him. He did not know that what was being done by the angel was real and thought he was seeing a vision. When they had passed the first and second gate, they came to the iron gate leading into the city. It opened for them of its own accord, and they went out and went along one street, and immediately the angel left him. When Peter came to himself, he said, Now I am sure that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from the hand of Herod and from all of the Jewish people, from all that the Jewish people were expecting. I love that Peter was sure he was just having a vision. Okay, there, there's got to be some type of symbolic twist to this because surely I'm going to get it because they they just took out James. I'm next. And, oh, wait, I'm actually getting out of this. He's utterly surprised. Oh, dude, I just feared this was, oh, this, this was actually <laughs> real. Okay, that's actually really kind of cool and I'm going to go get on out of here. Yep. It's a beautiful, wonderful surprise to Peter. And this is, this is a humorous little note to bring into the story. Yeah. I, I, 
it was going on, I didn't actually think I was being rescued. I feared this is just sort of like, oh, I'll have a nice little happy vision. I, I get something to occupy my time right before I get ganked. And, and nope, nope, nope. God was actually rescuing me. That, that's kind of cool. Nice. So, all right. Carry on. All right. When he realized this, he went to see the house uh, or he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose other name was Mark, where many were gathered together and were praying. And when he knocked at the door of the gateway, a servant's girl named Rhoda came to answer. Recognizing Peter's voice, in her joy, she did not open the gate, but ran in and reported that Peter was standing at the gate. They said to her, you are out of your mind. But she kept insisting that it was so. And they kept saying, it is his angel. Okay, if you're seeing Peter, little girl, it's his angel. That's that's the euphemism for saying basically you're seeing a ghost. I, I, mm-hmm. you're, yeah, dude, we know what's going on. We know how the story is going to end. Peter's dead. Uh, you're seeing things a little, ah, uh, yeah. So again, everyone thinks they're seeing visions. They don't get reality. This has got to be dreamland. This has to be like a dream sequence in the movie of what's going on. No, no, no. <laughs> this, is, this is the main narrative. It's not a flashback. It's not a dream sequence. It is what is going on right now. So carry right. on verse 16. 16. But Peter continued knocking, and when they opened, they saw him and were amazed. But uh, motioning to them uh, with his hand to be silent, he described to them how the Lord had brought him out of the prison. And he said, Tell these things to James and to the brothers. Then he departed and went to another place. Now when the day came, there was no little disturbance among the soldiers over what had become of Peter. And after Herod searched for him and did not find him, he examined the sentries and ordered that they should be put to death. Then he went down from Judea to Caesarea and spent time there. All right, a few things on this very quickly. Uh, Remember, there were uh, soldiers on guard of uh, Jesus' tomb, and Jesus gets out, and what do they do with those soldiers? They 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 bribe them. Yeah, Yeah. they get paid. These are like, no, you messed up. You're going to die. Because... This has gone on too far. No more. Of course, taking a bribe was also something punishable by death, but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> um, and note, Jesus, uh, Peter goes to James. Which James is this? This is not James who just gotten locked off. Peter probably feared he'd be able to talk to the other James in paradise in a little bit. But no, sure. that's not what he gets to do. He gets to go talk to James, the brother of Jesus, who ends up being the de facto leader of the church in Jerusalem. And so it's all kind of like, this is cool, but I'm going to kind of go underground right now, if you guys don't mind, because uh, as as uh, Han Solo uh, knew, a death mark is not an easy thing to live with. <laughs> so, all right. Oh, speaking of death mark, let's go on to verse 20. All right. Now Herod was angry with the people of Tyre and Sidon, and they came to him with one accord. And having persuaded Blastus, the king's chamberlain, they asked for peace because their country depended on the, uh, the king's country for food. On an appointed day, Herod put on his royal robes, took his seat upon the throne, and delivered an oration to them. And the people were shouting, The voice of a god and not of a man. Immediately an angel of the Lord struck him down, because he did not give God the glory, and he was eaten by worms and breathed his last. But the word of God increased and multiplied, and Barnabas and Saul returned returned from Jerusalem when they had completed their service, bringing with them John, whose others I can talk, whose other name was Mark. 
So, yeah, you had Herod who was instigating the first persecution. And by the way, here's what happened to, to that Herod. Uh, there's a time where he had been at, at, at odds with the people of Tyre. And so he goes and, and they're making peace and they're buttering him up afterwards. And what happens? Uh, he lets them butter up and then he heals over dead. Because you know what? A death mark's not an easy thing to live with. <laughs> I, I, it, it just takes him out. And then when that happens, then suddenly you have Paul and and Barnabas, and, and who comes with them? Uh, John Mark. John Mark. Again, because everyone has the same name. They, they, this is one of the beautiful things about, about American culture. We pull names from all over the place. So we have a wide variety of names. Didn't have as many places where they pulled names from. So we have John, also called Mark, who ends up writing the Gospel of Mark. And, and this is where he comes in. He's Barnabas's kin, cousin, I believe. And so, all right, so now we're getting things moving around together. All right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. How much time do we have left in the episode? You're looking at just over two minutes. All right. Instead of moving on to, to 13, because we're going to start getting things on the road in 13. So far, we've been kind of close to Jerusalem. We've had a little bit up in Antioch, but mm-hmm. but right home. What we're seeing so far in the whole book of Acts, again, is the the ability of God to do great and wondrous things for his people for the sake of the spread of the gospel. That, that the benefits that people get, the great and cool things, are not just for their sake. They're not rewards. It's not as though, and the Lord looked at Peter and said, oh, gosh darn it, Peter, you've been so good. I'll get you out of this. No, it, it's for the sake of the preaching of the gospel. I, I still have more work for you to do, Peter, so I'm going to get you out of this so you can go and proclaim the gospel more. Everything here, the Lord is acting for the sake of the gospel, for the for the proclamation that Jesus Christ is the Lord and his forgiveness has been won by his death and resurrection. And this is forgiveness for you, that you too may be rescued from your sin and death. And it keeps going out and out. So the whole acts of, of God are, in spite of the, the world fighting against it, in spite of sin and death and the powers that be trying to squash it, the gospel still goes out because that's what God does. And again, that's something good to remember. We don't get necessarily the same pyrotechnics as they might. I, I, I don't expect to be rescued by an angel anytime soon. Who know? It may happen. I don't know. I might not even know it's not a vision. I don't know. I don't expect that. But God is still at work seeing his gospel spread to you and even possibly through you to the people he has placed into your life. Why? Because that's what God does with his gospel. So any other final thoughts there before we uh, close up chapters 11 and 12 for today? Uh, you, you wrapped it up with a pretty good bow there. All right. Well, let's all take a break and... Uh, Hopefully not have much more wailing and gnashing of teeth in our days. And uh, I'll go this check up on passed. my I'll go check up on my mobster children, make sure my wife isn't wailing and gnashing. And <laughs> I will hope that you all have a great week and a great time in Christ Jesus. The Lord be with you all. Have a great one.
You have taken away the magic talking box of happy people that brings joy. You are a terrible, bad, poopy-faced theologian parent.